and welcome back to the Scottish Rugby Podcast with me, Cammy Black. Um, if you've listened to part one of this week's episode, you'll already know uh, I've got Rory and Ian with me. If you haven't listened to it, um, what are you doing here? This is part two. Um, stop listening, watching or listening to things out of sequence, you mad person. Spoilers. Spoilers, exactly. Um, although the Indiana Jones films are an interesting one because... Technically, although Temple of Doom was the second film, it is set before Raiders of the Lost Ark, chronologically. Yeah, valid, valid point. Yeah. Um, anyway, you'll already know how you can listen to us and how to contact us. Um, coming up, we've got some news, uh, and we've also got pretty packed hands in the ruck, which is covering Silver Saturday 2.0, Glasgow season tickets, and a bit of the uh, soap opera that's going on at the Murrayfield Big House at the moment. Um, let's start with the news, though. Rory, have you got any any news uh, yes, I do. Um, the under-20s, the Junior World Championships is on at the moment in France, and uh, the under-20s had a game today where they beat Ireland mm. uh, 45-29, um, who had uh, beaten them fairly comfortably in a warm-up game and slightly less comfortably, but still beaten them in the Six Nations. So actually, that, that was probably a game that they weren't, run, they weren't really expected to, uh, to win in. Um, having lost their pool games, it was actually quite important Scotland won that because whoever lost it was going into the relegation playoff to get kicked out of the the Junior World Championships and go into the Junior World Cup, uh, Junior Cup or Under Twenties Cup or whatever it's called. Um, so yeah, uh, great performance from the guys to uh, to do that. They actually won forty five twenty nine, good score. Um, Watch the highlights which are on the World Rugby website and um, yeah. Young uh, young Callum McClelland is looking like quite a quite a handy wee prospect at ten. Yeah. Um, who might might come into the reckoning sort of towards the end of Finn's career. Um, he's only nineteen now, so he'll get at least one more year at, uh, at under twenties level, which I think would be great for him. I mean, he's quite a wee guy, but um, and he's come over from uh, come over from rugby league. Yeah. Um, uh, having I think he captained. England under 16s at rugby league. He did, um, yeah, and he was he was on the books at Castleford as like properly on the books at Castleford as well. Yeah. I don't think he actually played, but he was he was in the mix. He said he, it's quite interesting because he said he came over to Union because there's more opportunities to move around and see the world a bit in Union than there is with league. Um mm. because you've only really got England and Australia. Australia. Realistically, yeah, so, I mean that's uh... Yeah, and he's—I think it's his granddad that's Scottish. Yeah, um, I mean he's got a good—he's got a good name. People will, you know, it's not a name that stands out. It's not no, a Scottish name. It's and, uh, Yeah, he looks—he's—he's he's got good good hands. Um, yeah, you can tell he's used to taking the ball to the line, which is you know pretty much all they do in rugby league. Yeah, sorry, rugby league fans. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, he's yeah. If you watch watch the. Uh, Watch the try the highlights of the tries on the on the video. You know he sets up a couple of them with some nice little kind of dummies and and uh, yeah, I think he'll you know he would get on well with Finn, Finn Russell in training camp. Yeah, it's interesting because it's, it's Alan Tate that's picked up on him, and obviously Alan Tate's dual cord and he's back yeah. in his day. So he's it's interesting that he's out there now looking at these kind of guys where Scott. I mean Scott Scotland haven't traditionally really gone to look at. They've lost people to league, but they haven't necessarily gone mm. sort of scouting people in the way that maybe England and Wales have done. Um, so that's quite good. The, the one thing I would say is I don't think that Alan Tate has had um, social media training yet because <laughs> um, he tweeted um, audio of Callum McClellan's sort of initiation song. <laughs> right, okay. Um, 
which is about ladies from Castleford, and that is all, right. all I will say on the matter. If you want to go and if you want to go and hunt that down um, on Alan Tate's Twitter, if it's still there, I don't know if maybe someone's got wind of it and taken it down, but it's um. I'm yes. just having a wee look now. I can't see any sign of it. No, there is. Yeah, it's like a blacked out video, and then he just said, "Go on, Callum" or something like that, and it was yeah. I listened yeah. to it. I've heard the song before because um yeah I I used to work in Wakefield, so um yes, it's a well known song about so ladies from Castleford. Well. Yes. Um, but anyway, um, other news. What? Sorry. Do you know anyone from Castleford? Any uh, ladies from Castleford? No, I don't know any ladies from Castleford. No, 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 no. Um, I have no idea what the song's about, so. No. If there are any any ladies from Castleford out there listening, please get in touch. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I think I don't know. I don't know what the song is. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> don't, no, 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 no. Let's move on. Anyway, um, the um, Scotland women won in Amsterdam sevens eight eight games out of eight. Um, good job. Good job. Yep. Um, the I think there was quite a, there seemed to be quite a lot of um, the normal fifteens. Uh, players going out there, which sounds like they're mixing fifteens and sevens quite a bit, which is yeah. which is quite good for developing, bringing both on for sort of pathways, I guess. Yeah, I think. I mean, the sevens. It's almost like the actual game of sevens is extraneous to to using it as a development tool because the the game itself is is very different, especially these days. Um, but I think in terms of giving players the experience of touring, of playing away from home of a high performance environment it's a great pathway to get to get them sort of upskilled and ready to play the, the full you know full 15s it certainly worked for an, a lot of the young guys like George Horn to just kick them on that extra level so that when they come back to whoever they've got a pro contract with there they're that little bit more ready um and yeah i think it would be great to see the the Scotland Scotland women on the on the um, on the sevens series circuit as well alongside the men yeah, um, and uh, speaking of uh, Scotland women, we are hoping, or, or we should do in a couple of weeks, uh, have an interview with uh, Rona Lloyd, uh, the Scotland women's winger, uh, who's going to be speaking to us about her work with the School of Hard Knocks. Um, so we'll, um, yeah, we'll we'll um, let you know when that's due to come about. Um, Ian, you you got any news? Not really. No. Got a new phone. Um, got a new right. phone. No, I've, um, I've got loads uh, more. Uh, we've got um, more. Glasgow signed a couple of players. Um, Have well, they? Well, well, let's save yeah. that. Can we save that for hands in the rock? Because someone's brought that up Definitely. as a hands in the rock. So we'll come All back right. to that. Um, Danny Wilson, uh, former Cardiff Blues yeah. coach. Now, has this been conf- somebody? Uh, what was it? Was it um, Alistair? Oh, I don't know. Some journalist was tweeting it as breaking and being actually confirmed that he he's mm. now the new Scotland well, forwards coach. But it. it there was nothing official, I don't think, come out of Murrayfield no. yet. And I would be, I would be quite surprised if there was anything coming out of Murrayfield. I'll probably say this, and then they'll announce it tomorrow or something. But, <laughs> um, it's, I mean, yeah, he he's got a pretty good, pretty good pedigree. Um, he had been announced to be joining. He's left, he's left the Cardiff Blues, where he's been the head coach. Um, he's left the left there at the, the end of the last season, and he was supposed to be signing for Wasps as their new forward coach. Um, having you know, he's coached the the packs at three out of the four Welsh regions. Um, he spent some time under Andy Robinson at Bristol. Um, but it just seems like an odd time to. I mean, I'm guessing it's probably from the other end of things. Someone at Wasps has has spilled the beans, or or uh, I would imagine while Scotland are on tour, they probably and you know they've got Carl Hogg on tour, who is in theory auditioning for for the role full time. 
um, kind of shadowing Dan McFarland, um, it seems a bit, it would seem a bit of an odd time to announce over the other side of the Atlantic. Oh, by the way, this is who the new forward coach is going. I mean, if you're Carl Hogg, that's not going to really, um, you know, that's going to take your your driving inspiration to to do a good job in the remaining games away a little bit. I'm sure yeah. you know he would be professional or whatever. But I think it just, um, I think in terms of the the timing for an is, an official announcement, I'd expect that to be made after the tour. Um, but it may be just that you know the 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 internet has has got a jump on them. Um, whether the SRU will just leave off announcing it out of you know out of respect or whatever. Um, yeah, it's not been officially announced, but BBC Wales are announcing it as if it's news. Um, Mark Palmer, son for writes for the Sunday Times, suggested that the signs are signs are there that it is legit. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess we have to wait and, until we hear something official. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame him. I've yeah. I've been to Coventry, so do you know? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard this could um, actually. Well, I think the SRU are wanting to keep a hold of Dan McFarland until January. Yeah. Um, so I th- I wonder if there's maybe been maybe a, a little bit of contact from Ulster Rugby saying we'd prefer him in now. Yeah, oh, I'm sure they would. Yeah. Go go look for a replacement. Yeah. Um, um, uh, but um, yeah, I did see that. Um, I. Wilson's meant to be joining, uh, like who cannot be Die Young, who was I think the previous Blues manager. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously they know each other. Uh, I think I'm not sure if he's going to be forwards coach or assistant coach. I don't know. I think it was BBC. I read that on. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it is to maybe do with getting McFarland to Ulster quicker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you would you would say as soon as the SRU announce it because they're probably going to want to announce someone. Um, then you know you would you would imagine that they're definitely going to go to Ulster and say right we've got our man you know if you want your man you can you can pay a little bit extra and you can have him um but but because you know now it looks like they might have to pass that money straight on back to wasps who presumably will have some sort of agreement in place with with uh, Danny Wilson so yeah it, it's almost like they would have been better signing someone who wasn't attached to anybody and then uh, then they'd have more money yeah but you know but there we go. I can't hear the name Die Young now, having listened to Blood and Mud, without the little song that Lee plays whenever he says Die Young. Um, so that's like, like a sort of Pavlovian dog response. So <laughs> having to refrain myself from just starting singing. Well, yeah. I don't know. My, I don't uh, know what the song is, so I haven't got it queued up to play either. So uh, my every time he was he used to be mentioned on BBC Wales um, back in the old days when that was all the all the Pro 14 rugby you could get, and uh, he was coach of Cardiff. Yeah, every time uh, Cardiff were playing and, and his name was mentioned, my, my dad would always always say, only the good. <laughs> <laughs> um, other news that's come out this week, uh, many Murrayfield plans have been announced. Um, now, Rory, uh, apart from the secret tunnel that you found from the press room at Murrayfield, yeah. um, there's also you were also involved in a bit of a chat on Twitter earlier oh, yeah, about the, the, the support pools. That we could almost use. call you could almost call it standing leg gate, but uh, <laughs> I think we're going to go for a standing pole gate, something like that. Um, yeah, uh, the plans are out, and um, despite the copyright notices on the architect's plans, they're plastered all over uh, social media. <laughs> There's some sort of three D mockups of what it's going to look like. Cammy's found a few um, celebrities hiding in the crowd. I think. Yeah, Sid from Sid from Toy Story Three is there about three times. There's a couple of guys yeah. that look like Doctor Evil from um, Austin Powers as well. Like you, you know, if you you've got to think if you're an architect that that you know that's why you would kicks. Put, you'd, yeah, you put <laughs> Easter eggs in there. I'm I'm sure it's entirely accidental. Um, yeah, so they've they've got some uh, some mock-ups and the architecture, presumably the plans that have been submitted to the council. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it looks it looks what you'd what you'd expect a 3G pitch with four temporary stands around it to look like. Um, there is, yeah, there's this the issue of the secret tunnel, but I suspect that's just like a pathway or maybe a covered yeah. walkway or something to get from the um, the press room at, at Murrayfield. Also, happens to back onto the sort of main changing room corridor, and they they both use the same entrance and exit. So I would imagine that's just the the route from the changing rooms out to the out to the pitch, um, and whether they need to be, you know, and that needs to be a a kind of uh, athletics track walkway or something, and rather than concrete or yeah, or whether they are actually going to build a secret tunnel in case it's in case it's raining. <laughs> And uh, I can't think why they would need a secret tunnel. Just to keep the sandwiches well, dry. I can't, keep the sandwiches in the fresh room dry, maybe. Or, yeah, yeah, I can't imagine them spending spending the money, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was a few few concerns that the, the stands had sort of um, poles on them supporting them that would kind of restrict the view slightly. But I mean, they would be pretty small, I'd imagine. Um, these things, I, I don't suppose they're probably architecturally fairly simple and you need to support them from both sides or they'll fall over. So Yeah, or you need to spend um, a lot of more a lot of yeah, money in putting supports over the top and yeah. Yeah, building a sort of cantilevered structure or something yeah. exciting like that. So yeah. Um yeah, it's uh, it's interesting it's all all move for all move for Edinburgh. Um and I think there's also uh, there's also rumors of a new sponsor announcement coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so we might even see if there's going to be a new blue and blue and white kit. I think there's blue and, and white, there's new new colours and orange. Um, so hopefully we'll see a new kit some point soon. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Ian, you you go to Scotston. Uh, the, the, there's a suggestion there are some supports there. How does that work? Um, well, <clears throat> supports and, and and the stands getting in the way. Do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, my seat's not great. Uh, we'll get on to this later. Okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, but for example, I can't see the big screen, and there's a barrier in the way. But right. uh, I don't have I don't have a restricted view. Okay, <laughs> we will come on to that in a moment. Um, for the minute, we have we got any other news, Rory, or is that covered? It? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. I think. Yeah, it's a busy day again. I always start this. I always write an agenda down on a Tuesday morning and think, well, there's not much to talk about, and then lots of news happens. So it's yeah, it's, it's always the day. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, anyway, let's let's quickly just do this. Well, we're low-tie and we're low-closed And we're speedos But I just want to know Did you see the legend that's yeah, for anybody hoping that I was getting rid of the jingles, I'm not. Um, it's a quick where's Doogie Donnelly. Um, Craig McDonald got in touch via email, uh, podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk, and he said he'd seen Gregor Townsend standing near the ticket cabin at Scotston before the Scarlets game, and apparently a steward went up to Gregor Townsend and asked him if he was uh, there to collect a ticket and was being deadly serious. Um, so Craig, <laughs> Craig had to interject and uh, tell the steward that, that he probably didn't need a ticket. Um there also seem to be quite a lot of Canadians uh, on social media not getting in touch with us. I don't think we've we've reached the shores of Canada, um, or in any big way anyway. Um, I think we've got a couple of Canadian listeners. Uh, hello to them. Um, but a lot of Canadians on social media uh, catching the Scotland team out and about, um, and a lot of positive feedback about how approachable they were. Um, not sh- I can't remember who it was, but there was four of the Scotland team riding through a Canadian mall on children's... Uh, motorised animal scooters, which I think probably breaks all sorts of weight limits, but um, there you go. Um, either of you seen anybody out and about, or cause we, we're slim pickings at the minute? Mm, yeah, they're all, uh, all on a holiday, or yeah. certainly, certainly none of them in Inverness. Yeah, 
Okay, uh, we're going to move on to the uh, to the main the main bit. We've we've been inundated with um, inundated with with hands in the ruck. So um, I'm going to play I'm going to play the jingle. I don't care. All the jingle haters out there can can go. Just 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 deal with it. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, hands in the ruck time. Uh, it's normally our any other business section of the podcast, but we—it's uh, getting more and more popular. It's the bit that you all seem to submit for. Um, quick one we had from uh, someone called Alan Dimmick. Don't know, I've never heard of him, um, but he says his hands in the ruck is being inundated with near identical statements from players apologising for poor performances on social media, as if they've been told they have to. Um, <laughs> And it's Mikey's uh, followed up and he chipped in and said, uh, also multiple players posting thanks for the support at the same time because that feels really genuine when they do that. Yeah, and they always do it like three days later as well. They've, they've had their mandatory kind of recovery period and then that's the first time presumably that the media people get to get at them to say, right, you better put something out, lads, because that was shocking. Yeah, can, can I send a text? It yeah. was the, here's, um... here's what you have to say. The strange one over the weekend was the um, the replacement New Zealand... Uh, prop who um, was the subject the boy of this, with the moustache the one that smashed the oh. f- broke the French guy's skull oh right no yeah. maybe not him. who tweeted this sort of like he tweeted this sort of obviously carefully crafted statement on Twitter but it came across as really passive aggressive I think it says I'm like it's a, it started off with it was a very physical game and then went on to say I'm really sorry I tried to visit in the hospital but you weren't well enough <laughs> <laughs> But it was obviously like there'd obviously been this all this furore around it, and then somebody in the social media department at the All Blacks has said, "Look, you probably should tweet an apology." I mean, he didn't at him or send him a you know the normal classy way of doing that would be send the guy a private note or get a message to him, but to sort of just publicly say it on Twitter, sort of smacked of sort of saying yeah. in the face more than anything. Um, and Alexander Smith, actually, uh, his hands in the ruck was the paranoia in rugby around the All Blacks getting favours from referees as though they're being paid to go easy on them. Um, yeah, there's a lot of that going about. I mean, I don't think it's... I mean, people do say, oh, it's like one rule for them and one rule for everyone else. And I don't think that's actually the case. But, I mean, they do play the game almost on a different level to some, to everyone else sometimes. So you could say, well, OK, they... They maybe need to be refereed differently or something, but you can't do that. You, you know, it's got to be, um, it's got to be the same. It's just unfortunate that um, that when the referees have their brain farts, it's for something like this. But then you look at the you look at the Lions series last year, Sonny Bill Williams, he got he got red carded, and then right rightly so for for his one. Yeah. Um, and then it's come out and, today, and it's not it's not everybody keeps saying it's world rugby, but it's not. It's the two Australians who are the sighting officers have come out today and said it was only a yellow card anyway. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they it's not they can't now say that they they're just ignoring it. They have looked at it. The fact is that a lot of people still think that it's um that it's horrific and should have been, you know, should have been punished more harshly. It, it it's tricky. Do you do you punish or sanction based on outcome? Um which I, as far as I know you're not you, you know they're trying to discourage that. They're trying to just say, you know, it's it's about what happened and the action of in you know in the action of, of the you know the tackle or the the hit or whatever um and you can't really judge it based on how bad it looks um you know if some guy gets 
tip tackled onto his head and is fine versus some guy who gets tip tackled on his head and you know gets knocked out or injured his shoulder like Brian yeah. O'Driscoll. Yeah. Um, they both should be treated equally. It's it's not about um, how it finishes up. Um, it's horrifically unfortunate that uh, that this French French lad has a double fracture of the skull or something. Um, but you know, of all the of all the well, I'm not going to call him a voice of reason, but Stuart Barnes did at least point out on on Twitter that you know they wouldn't have gone in to that tackle intending to, for that to be the outcome. They might have been they might have gone into that tackle intending to push it to the very sort of limit of the law, but you've got you know players now they've got to know in the current climate that if you do something you know you're you're always going to be looking at a red yeah. you know there's always going to be that risk so if you're willing to take that risk and go and make a dangerous tackle like that you've got to be willing to deal with the consequences i guess the problem comes along is when they do that and the consequences don't don't appear to appear to arise so it's you know it's not about motive they're not some big giant conspiracy are allowed to do what they want it's just that you know referees make mistakes and unfortunately this one was a probably should have been probably should have been sort of looked at a bit bit further um but then again the citers looked at it and thought no actually the referee got it more or less about right yeah i mean i think they said he should they said they said he should have got a yellow is that right yeah that's what's come out today so so. he didn't so he got the he's given been given a warning i think officially is how it comes across as so He's he's got a yeah he's got a yellow point five yeah <laughs> but I think what you you're right and you know not that I'm agreeing with Stuart Barnes necessarily but the um, no don't do that you you um you would think or certainly that there's a high probability that the the kind of player and that there are those players out there that would go out there to deliberately injure somebody or hurt somebody have been filtered out by the time you get to that le- to international level because yeah because there's liability and yeah and and you can't trust them and yeah yeah i'm sure i i, I think every every rugby player goes out there to hurt somebody but not to deliberately injure them and that's a very different thing um so yeah um we were inundated with stews this week as well and um apology i just wrote one of the stews um on my notes yeah um one of the stews um on uh, the twitter said uh his hands was john beat his commentary on the canada game uh, particularly getting players' names wrong, and he said it's as if he's barely paying attention to what's actually happening on the pitch. Now, I thought that was harsh, given that he was commentating from Scotland at two in the morning based on yeah. the pictures that we were seeing, and I couldn't tell what was happening half the time. And, I mean, we struggled to sound semi-coherent on a podcast. Um, you know, so that must have been, you know, and we prep for this, believe it or not. But, you know, commentating think- on those pictures... At two in the morning can't have been easy, so I think we've got to give him a bit of a break. Yeah, I mean that—that that was, you know, one of the reasons that I didn't stay up and watch the game was because I knew I was going to have to write a report on it, and I didn't want to write a report on it at two in the morning. Um, I wanted to do it while it's fresh in my mind. It, yeah, it would have been—it would have been tough. There would have been a, you, it, yeah, it had that feel of um, there was a, yeah, John was obviously getting a bit tired, and and yeah, there was a little bit of kind of repetition. Um, I mean, to be honest, the game. Uh, uh, points wasn't that inspiring t- to talk about, and I guess that's that's the point at which the good commentators find a way to 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 fill it. But yeah, there's a um, yeah, I'd like I'd like to see a, 
you know, it's uh, the commentator should should really just commentate on what's going on, and the the guy next to him is the guy that kind of fills it fills it out with the color. Um, but uh, yeah, I think he could be forgiven given the given the time. Yeah, and I think we've spoken him to him. We spoke, we interviewed him interestingly about him his commentating, and that interviews on our YouTube channel if anybody wants to bother to look it up. And he's not. He's got an interesting approach to commentary because he just said he's just that his view is he's there to talk to the person at the other side and he's got to pitch it somewhere between people who really, really, really like the game and also appeal to people who are just sort of casually channel hopping, which it you know was on BBC Two, I think, on Sunday morning they repeated it. So Yeah. yeah. I think that I mean a lot of people picked him up on the um sort of the the fact he mentioned um, this this lad called Adam Hastings that none of us have heard of quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But to be fair, he did. He, I was watching it back today, and later in the commentary, he did apologise for that and say I should also sort of you know pay attention to the other people making their debuts. So it's I would much rather have John Beatty commentating in the way that he does, and you know holding his hands up and admitting mistakes mid broadcast than have you know someone like a Stuart Barnes or an Eddie Butler blundering on regardless and saying things like Gregor Laidlaw. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I would also just say that uh, you know the summer tour is the time to um, to blood new referees. Uh, we had a new referee Scotland Canada game. Uh, you blood new players, so why not blood some new commentators? Our old mucker Jamie Lyle has been doing some work, so um, maybe we could we could bribe him and say if he comes on the podcast, then we'll we'll start a grassroots campaign to get him yeah get him more uh, commentary gigs. That's a good. That's a good shout. Yeah, we'll we'll start. I'm, sh- I'm sure he's listening. Yeah, let's sure start, we'll start a petition. Jamie, if you come on, um, Ian, did you have something to say about the commentary? Uh, well, it was more. There was a lot of uh, Adam Hastings patter, um, but as well, um, BT did make. He, he picked out the wrong player names a few times, and some of them were a wee bit. Even if he's watched on telly, as we were, there's one point he said, uh, I think Harris has made a tackle when it was McGuigan. He, right. he made a couple of mistakes. Um, but I remember that interview that you did with him, and he'd said uh, during that, he'd heard from Bill McLaren, you know, sometimes just shut up and let the you know let people watch the game. Um, but he, he did seem to prattle on a little. Um, I, no, he's a nice guy. Um, usually his commentary is great. Maybe it was two o'clock in the morning. You yeah. had too many Red Bulls. I'd um, say I can't. I can't pee straight at two in the morning if I wake up. Let alone commentary <laughs> game of rugby. So, you know what? <laughs> I, 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 I best best just to sit down. Yeah. So we stuck. We stuck Netflix on and started watching the Ghostbusters remake, and uh, it got to about an hour through it, and I fell asleep. It was about <laughs> half half one in the morning. I was like, "This will finish at quarter to two. Oh, I can put the Scotland yeah. game on." Uh, but then that crashed out. Yeah. Well, yeah. I. Uh, I. As I say, I didn't didn't get didn't get up for it. Slept through because um, my other half was was working, and uh, and then I got up and thought, yes, right here we go, iPlayer. And of course, it wasn't on iPlayer. I couldn't find it, so panicked, went up to my went up to my folks' house because I knew um, you and my dad would have recorded it on Sky. So watched it on the Sky up there, and then. But I couldn't. Yeah, no. Well, I did actually miss the very last, like the very yeah, last, last eighty-three eight, minutes or something. But um, what was uh, because, of course, I was trying to remain spoiler-free. I couldn't check Twitter. Had I checked Twitter, I would have seen the tweet from someone saying, "Or you could just watch it on BBC Two now," which would have <laughs> saved me a save, save me a journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, the 
other one we had, um, this is the one I was talking about earlier, um, Ian, that you can maybe chip in with this. Um, Dermot Gormley said, the lack of Glasgow signings and the silence on expanding Scotston. Um, but you said there's been a couple of Glasgow signings. I, I'm, I probably missed this. You've probably passed me by. Well, at the moment, nothing marquee um, yet, but uh, we have been calling out for a ball-carrying number eight. Uh, but when was the last time it was a podcast? It was a good couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, there was, uh, we've signed uh, USA number eight, David uh, Tamilau. Um watched a couple of videos on YouTube. It looks like a big big, big beast of a number eight kind of thing we've said we've been missing. Um, and a couple of academy boys have signed up, uh, Bruce Flockhart and Robbie Nairn. Uh, they've, they've signed on full pro. Um, but as of yet, um, there hasn't been a lot, uh, a lot of other news coming out or rumours even from Scotland about who we're signing. Is I mean, what what positions do you think they actually need to strengthen? Um, I would like a, a sort of bigger lock, uh, a, a more of a carrying lock to go alongside Johnny Gray because we just seem to have Tim Swinson, um, Brian uh, Big Brado, um, <laughs> or Brian Alainu Essie as he's. Oh, yeah, well, he, yeah. he's been injured, wouldn't he? Yeah, he's been role? injured for ages. Yeah, um, yeah, but can he do it consistently? Um, mm. Greg Peterson, as, as, whenever he's played, I don't think he's he's cut the mustard really, especially in, in top level games. Um, so I'd like to see a, a new lot coming in to support Johnny Gray, um, preferably one who's a bit of a bit more aggressive, but a bit of biting him. Um, the back row seems to be okay. Uh, Fraser Brown's constant injury worries, probably another hooker, maybe some front row reinforcements. Um, other than that, the problem is we've just had a lot of players either out of form. Um, Seymour wasn't great last year, a lot of Scottish boys weren't great, and a lot of the new guys that came in hardly played. Likes of Masanga was constantly injured. He looked alright when he did play. Um, Samu Vanessa, he's gone now. I think he played about four games in total. Um, I don't know, there's certain positions we are very much, you know, we've got supplies aplenty, um, but I'd say the front, the, the pack has been an issue for years, and it kind of still is. Um, you know, we don't have enough grunt up front, that gets proven a lot in Europe, um, so I'd like to see some some moves made there, and also we need a new 10 um, yeah. to supplement. Well, the, the suggestion the suggestion from Dave Dave Rennie was that he really likes Pete Horn, but you, yeah, no, you've already I, made I, your nice feel on that. <laughs> you and nope. Pete differ. Yeah, his his place kicking. I don't think he's got a good enough kicking game to play at ten, um, either from hand or certainly place kicking. Um, he missed an absolute shocker the other week against Scarlets, and it's not the first time he's done that. Um, you know, like I said, it pains me to say it and be negative about him because he's such a lovely, lovely guy, but. I don't rate him at 10. I prefer him at um, inside centre. Does uh, George Horn not place kick? Sorry? I'm pretty sure George Horn kicks, doesn't he? Um, he used yeah. to kick for, I think he used to kick for the under under 20. So, you know, you could get him doing the place kicking and brother brother halfbacks. Yeah, but again, it's more um, Pete's overall play at 10. Yeah. He, as a distributor, he's fine. Uh, I don't think he's kicking from hands good enough. Uh, the Edinburgh game, um, the the one where Edinburgh down to 14 men and we still lost mm-hmm. I felt he rushed things far too much um, and it's not you know, I, I don't think it's his premier position I think inside centre is his best place as a sort of secondary playmaker um, rather than as the, the go-to guy to make things happen 
Yeah. What about um, the Luke Hamilton question? Because everyone everyone was, it was convinced that he was going to pitch up at Edinburgh. He's, I don't think it's been announced where he's going no. yet, although he's left Leicester. Um, everyone assumes it's going to be Scotland. And then Edinburgh have just, you know, last week came out and despite having said repeatedly when like the guys in the press room had asked them, you know, are you going to sign Luke Hamilton? Are you going to sign Luke Hamilton? And they're like, no, we're not in the market for any back rows. We've got plenty of back rows. We're not in the market for back rows. And then they've signed a Fijian back row. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I've seen it. Um, Noisy, is it? Um, uh, Nayalo. Nayalo, that's the one. Um, um, yeah, that so, also... yeah, so, so there, you know, I mean, do you think he, he'd, he'd find a home in, uh, Hamilton would find a home in Glasgow? At Glasgow? I th- I th- yeah, I think um, he'd definitely be a, a squad rotation player. Um, where we, you have to rotate in this day and age. Um but the likes of Gibbons, Fagerson, Wilson, there's your sort of uh, main callback yeah, three. Yeah, Rob choice. Harley. Um, but you know, competition's always good. And Luke Hamilton um, certainly looks like a, you know, he's a lot bigger than the back rows we have. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like more of a carrier. Um, so I, I would like to see him coming up. And like you've said, you know, Edinburgh. Yeah, Har- it seems very unlikely Watson, Edinburgh's now. Yeah, Watson, Barkley when he comes back. Um, we've just seen, you know, we've just been very. Uh, effusive about Richie and Bradbury, uh, and this new lad Niall that's coming. Um, so you know, is is there going to be a space for uh, for Luke Hamilton at Edinburgh? I don't think. No, I wouldn't really. think so. No, there okay, might be. Yeah. I mean, there might be at Glasgow because David Tamalau did sign for the Newcastle Falcons two years ago and then just never turned up. <laughs> yeah, so, 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 so he could be another. Uh, what's, oh, what's his name? Uh, not Harold Nukunuka. Langy Langy. That was it. Remember him, the big dreadlocked American. He, he never t- show up. Um, well, he was two or three seasons ago he turned up. Uh, he got red carded in his first game. Um, that was that was Clancy actually uh, did that. One of the yellow cards got rescinded. <laughs> and then I think he played another four games, um, but didn't really set the header alight. Uh, so he he was off. Uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, I mean, uh, Tamula could be another Benisa. Benisa played quite well against Edinburgh, I thought, in that game at Murrayfield. Um, then after that, I don't think I saw him again. Yeah. Um, Ian, your your hands in the rock then while we're talking about Glasgow. All right. Yes. Well, um, this is this is on behalf of a number of Warriors. Uh, the the season tickets, and I think mainly the big issue is the neutral venue that is Murrayfield for the uh, the third eighteen seventy two game. Um, now, fair play to Nathan Bombiers. Um, the 16th Warrior, the Glasgow Sports Club, uh, they contacted him and he has emailed a reply. There are a number of concerns raised by Glasgow fans, um, one in particular being the travel back. Uh, I myself, as soon as the game had ended, um, we we went to the train station. Uh, we had wanted to meet up with folk and what have you. Um, I got to Haymarket Station, pretty rapid style. Uh, we're waiting there for 45 minutes. The place was an absolute disaster. There were far too many people on the platform. Um, Safety-wise, it was a big issue. Um, one of the things... We, uh, also, I think it calls into almost disrepute the integrity of the league because the rule is you know, you get X amount of away games, X amount of home games, and that's the same for every single team in the league. Edinburgh are essentially getting an additional home game. Um mm. This SRU saying it's a neutral venue, that's just nonsense. I, I don't stand for that at all. Um, you know, it's not a neutral venue. It's Murrayfield. Um, there's 
since Super Saturday was a massive success. Um, sorry, Silver Saturday. Um, and it was it was a very good atmosphere. Um, but I mean, we're still talking that twenty five thousand odd people turned up in a sixty thousand seater stadium. I mean, I don't really see how that's cost effective, especially when they're giving away tickets. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about the uh, finance thing a wee bit later with some of the other hands in the ruck, because <laughs> um, we're all it's all kind of melding into one. But um, yeah, a lot of Warriors fans aren't happy about this. The price has gone up as well. Um, like I was saying before, my ticket has now been moved from a silver ticket to a gold ticket. Uh, this means that over the last five years alone, um, the ticket price has gone up a hundred pounds. Um, so that's about what's that, fifty-five-ish percent. Wages have not risen in that particular, mm-hmm. you know, in mm-hmm. that standard. So you know, sports seems to exist in this mad bubble, and as well the the fact that there's not going to be any free-to-air games. Um, you know, if you want to watch every away Glasgow game, you're either going to have to go there personally or pay uh, the Premier Sports subscription. So you're essentially looking at a sort of two hundred and twenty pound uplift in your ticket price uh, to watch the Warriors. Um, whereas Edinburgh tickets are cheaper, uh, even though you know, I un- I fully understand that Edinburgh need to build their their fan base because the, the attendances at um, Myerside and Murrayfield have not been good enough. And you know, if Edinburgh want to progress, and I want to see Edinburgh progress for the good of Scottish rugby, that's fine. But their tickets are a lot cheaper, um, so, and essentially you're kind of getting an extra home game. Um, so sorry, I feel like I'm rambling on about here, but there's so many points to raise about this. Yeah. Um, yeah there's just not a lot of people happy about this. Um, you know, it, think... it feels like the Warriors are being taken for granted. And it feels like we're getting kind of like, oh, it's all right. This is you go and celebrate Scottish rugby. Go to Edinburgh again. It's like, why do we have to? You said it would be. I've, I've even still got the email. I looked the email up from last season that the fixtures would be rotated mm-hmm. so yeah. that you could get 11 home games. And we're not getting that again. Instead, I'm going to have to go through to Edinburgh and then try and get my way back. You know, it's you know, people say it's not a big deal, but Silver Saturday, I got up at half seven to go to work. I worked from nine to one. I got to Edinburgh about half past three, and then I didn't get home until half past one in the morning. Um, and it was at quite great expense because we had to then fork out for a taxi. No, the, the SRU don't seem to have taken any of these things into consideration. And they've just gone, oh, it's a great financial success. Um, which, you know, I'm kind of wondering what that was, particularly as they've given us free tickets. You know, every Warriors season ticket holder got a free ticket um, to take someone else along because, like, you know, you're only getting 10 home games. Now they've done it again. Yeah. Um, and we don't even have the guarantee of an extra free ticket. So, yeah. you know, it, it feels like a bit of a kick in the, the nuts, to be honest. I, I don't understand why they've done it that way. I don't under- I, I get. I I'm, I mean I'm I'm a big fan of Silver Saturday. I think it was I I get why they did it. I think it's a good way to end the season. But I, what I don't understand is why they can't then make the other two games Glasgow home games and yeah. have and because that then solves it. Every second year you rotate the fixture or which is now over Christmas, isn't it? The two games. So why you yeah, can't and then you, and if if Silver Saturday is always going to be the Murrayfield game or the Ember home game. Then you rotate the other fixtures, and that then, I mean, does that does that solve it? It does, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it kind it kind of does. It's tricky because the, the you know the the natural place for it is at the end of the season where it can be a celebration of all the levels of the game in Scotland. And in theory, yes, you have to 
embrace that, um, which is quite, you know, which is probably easier for, for those of us that are neutrals to do. But um, yeah, Glasgow as a as a club and as a, a group of fans are basically basically getting sort of getting done out done out of a game getting screwed over here yeah. um and it's yeah it's 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 not fair and they also have the issues you know there was the um the guy that sounds like a james bond villain who owns heidelberger rfk and stad france is it stad france um who they said the heidelberger who are a german team couldn't play in the challenge cup because he owns yeah. both because he owns them both and that would there's a possibility they could end up in the same group and that could you know but you know edinburgh and glasgow are centralized teams owned by a union and here's here's a union sort of gerrymandering the fixtures effectively um not necessarily for for the benefit of one of the other teams it's for its own benefit really because it makes it easy they can have that big day out which is a fundraiser and makes them you know makes it makes it look good and gives everyone a rosy glow at the end of the season um Although you know this season it is it is actually going to help what you know it's going to help Edinburgh. Is out of interest. Just we'll move on shortly um, because we we could we could do probably a whole special episode on this really. But um, in was was in yeah. in terms of the, the the hike in the Glasgow season ticket prices, have assur- any assurances been given to fans that that's going straight back to Glasgow, or does it go back into sort of no. some general pot that? Yeah, no, the, the, there's been no assurances given that that goes back to Glasgow at all. Um, you know, I, the the Nathan Bombers email that he sent back, um, he, he did that within two days. Uh, the same email was sent to the SRU, and we've still to get a response. Mm. Sorry, we not when I say we, it's, it's the 16th Warrior have done yeah. this, so, you know, got, got to give them a lot of credit. Um, but they've taken on board all the fan complaints and sent them in an email. I mean, for example, there's a... I mean, this is absolutely horrifying. Um there was a, a woman who said that her young child who they took to the game was vomited upon by a drunk Edinburgh fan. And when that was raised to stewards, they did nothing. Um, you know, if you're trying to keep attendances up at these games or get more people going, stuff like that and the travel chaos at the end, that is not going to help. Um, we, we crammed ourselves onto a train and there was a woman got on with a couple, two kids and they looked petrified. And that is not the kind of atmosphere we want. It, you know, that's not what we want kids to have their first experience of Murrayfield to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's tricky. <laughs> it's yeah. Um, Rory, you you your hands in the ruck because you might have well, a link to my hands in the ruck. Yeah. Well, um, mine's mine is mine is very very short, but it it just um it comes it sort of goes back to. Uh, well, it goes back to what we've just talked about, but it also goes back to things that we've discussed in the past, um, in terms of our, in terms of bias and stuff on the blog. But yeah, it, what immediately kind of, uh, as soon as the season ended, almost, um, what uh, what I noticed was it's just it, it was um, it was Glasgow and Edinburgh fans fighting over who the SRU mismanages and dislikes more. <laughs> um, each each one, in, you yeah. know, insisting that, that each one kind of going for ever each group going for ever greater levels of, of martyrdom um of you know of yeah oh we we're underfunded we haven't got any signings we haven't got a stadium look up um you know and to be fair the, the gripes are all are all pretty much um pretty well founded uh for the most part but yeah it, it was just it's got it's quite funny now that that um the clubs are starting to grow their own identities that they they do actually have very passionate sets of fans um edinburgh's are 
still kind of hidden, but they are they are out there. And uh, and you know we we even get it on the blog now. You get the Edinburgh the guys who are clearly Edinburgh fans and Glasgow fans kind of you know have taken pops at each other, which is quite quite entertaining to see. Uh, so yeah, my my hands in the rock would be um, the Glasgow and Edinburgh fans fighting over who's the who's the who's the unpopular child. Um, although <laughs> as as it turns out, uh, the unpopular child is the domestic rugby union of the, the SRU. It is, which, which brings me on to my hands in the rock. Um, I I don't know what to call this, whether it's I've, I've the Keith Russell affair or, or Russell Gate. Um, not to diminish what's happened, but it just sort of it feels like it's of the magnitude that feels like it needs a name. Um, for those of you who don't know or are not keeping up with these sorts of things, uh, the offside line and Mark Palmer of the Times uh, broke a story over the weekend about uh, Keith Russell, the former head of domestic rugby at the SRU, uh, who was dismissed back in May 2017. Uh, he's just been through an employment tribunal, um, or which has found in his favour. Um, and it go, it, I always say read the offside lines report because it's very good uh, and Mark Palmer's um, and covers all the issues basically um, I'll read the last paraphrases on the evidence presented I was unable to find in fact that uh, said the respondent employed but the SIU honestly and reasonably held the belief that the claimant which was Mr Russell was not competent nor and equally important that there was a reasonable ground for that belief at the time of the dismissal so they, they, this acting without good reason um on a whim it seems um scottish rugby have issued a statement that basically says we're not we acknowledge the outcome of it and there's some areas of the ruling they disagree with but they're not going to appeal um now keith russell for those of you who don't know is finn russell's dad um and there's a lot to unpack on the offside there's about five articles on the offside line because there's so much to unpack in this um one the main thing is just Apparently, how poorly, how poor management is at the very top level of the SRU, which probably means that the gripes from both Edinburgh and Glasgow fans are valid. Um, and as as Ian has said, if 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 Glasgow fans are making complaints to the SRU and not, they're not being responded to, that's of a concern. And some of the things that have come out of the Keith Russell affair would indicate that there's probably valid reasons for that too. Uh, the two takeaways for me, though, uh, were. The sort of allegation that Keith Russell made, saying that the SRU's view basically is there should be about fifty clubs in Scotland, um, and they're very focused on the professional game because that's where they see the money, and and his view, I think, which every Scotland fan would echo, is that that the the domestic game is is key, um, and and we don't want to see clubs going under. You want as many clubs as possible supporting communities, giving everyone a chance to play and participate because that's how you grow the sport. And the more people you've got playing and participating, the better it is for Scotland, the more kids you've got coming through the different pathways. Um, and that's why I understood the sort of benefit of Super 6 was really that you would sort of go back to more of an amateur community club game with good youth setups that would then sort of fill the senior teams below the Super 6 level. And the Super 6 level was the sort of pathway for for, for young lads and I don't know, just, you know, Langham were on the brink of going down, but then people have pulled together and got them back together. And, you know, are we interview, We spoke to Carrick before the Silver Saturday and the stuff they're doing with the local academy is really good. So it's, I, I really, it would be, it's terrifying if what Keith Russell is saying is is the, the sort of attitude that there is at the top of the SRU that the clubs don't matter. Um, I think particularly the one thing that really... Uh, like worried me was um, when Keith Russell said what Dodson and Cole were saying about trying to 
bringing the game into East End communities in Glasgow. Um, you the it was very snobbish sounding, mm. and it was the sort of whole this is our, our old boys club. Um, and also, I mean, would you have said that if Rory Hughes had been in the room? Yeah. Know, Rory Hughes, who's from Chateau de Lay. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, this, this is a guy who's been. In, I've read an interview with him a couple of years ago um, when he got his first Scotland cap, and it was it was such a, a great story to read. You know, this guys at his school in Castlemilk were just like, man, rugby, we don't even play that, mate. Mm. We sat. No, and here's this guy who's, you know, he's not great, but, you know, here's a boy who's gone from working class roots to having a professional contract, being a Scotland cap. And, you know, people like him, Mark Dawson was just saying, shouldn't be allowed to play. I think yeah. that's absolutely despicable. No, I, I, I you know, think inclusivity I've... is one of the world rugby core themes. Yeah. And, you know. And it's daft because there's an opportunity in Scotland. I mean, that you know, you look at the state of Scottish football at the minute and, you know, it has its own issues, but the, you know, Scotland... Rugby as an as an international rugby team, we are in the shop window, and it feels like it's at a turning point where more and more kids are going to want to be Stuart Hogg than be whoever it is. I mean, I don't even know who's who would be good in in the Scotland football team these days because I don't follow it anymore, and I, I don't think there's that those sort of big names that we had in the past. And that's there's an opportunity. You like I said, Ian from sort of communities that haven't traditionally been engaged with rugby if you start getting kids who want to be Stuart Hogg who want to be Hugh Jones who want to be Finn Russell who even want to be Rory a Rory Hughes then denying them an opportunity to go and turn out for their local community club or even set up a community club for them is it's a massive missed opportunity yeah I mean so sorry on your Rory I was just gonna say from uh you know from from what um what Keith Russell was was saying um you know it was he was putting together strategies to try and tap into the funding that's already available from the government. And, but, the, but that funding is not aimed at, it's not aimed at boosting the profile of one sport over another or anything like that. That funding is, is aimed at, um, at improving, you know, improving health, um, improving sort of life skills and things in, in less well-off communities. And, you know, provided you come up with a with a scheme that taps into those that is compatible with those aims, then you get the money. But I think the way that the the SRU, from the signs of it, the way that they're looking at it is right. You give us the money, and we'll decide how to spend it. Yeah. And that I think was yeah that that was you know what what Ian was alluding to there. And I think there you know it's you know from 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 my point of view in my day to day job, it it's nice to. You know, you want to decide. You don't want pesky customers getting in the way or anything like that. It's it's a it's a kind of natural instinct to have, but at the same time, I think, it, as Ian says, it's not really, it's not really a view compatible with the, the um, the values of of the game as you know as World Rugby would have them of inclusivity of um you know of making better human beings almost. Um, th- those aims are are definitely the sort of things that that those those funding schemes and stuff are, are put there to try and achieve um and i don't think that uh you know the the sru is doing a very successful job in running the professional end of the game in uh, this country at the moment um apart from the you know obviously the issues that we're, we're having here but i would say if you sort of maybe two or three months ago if you, you would have said that the, the situation was looking pretty rosy um that you know they can do that but to necessarily believe that they that they also know everything there is to know about running the um 
about running the domestic game and, and the, the kind of roots that that has reaches into the into the communities um, is is there's a, there's perhaps a slight sort of arrogance there. Um, and that was one of the other things that, that Keith Russell had said in his interviews was, you know, he was he was all for for not knowing that not believing that you had the the answer. It was for it was discussion and debate with your with you know with the members of your team about how about how that uh, you know about how it could work, not necessarily how it, how it must work. Yeah. You did, and then and then you use those opinions, use those forums to to decide, you know, a plan a plan going forward. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how it pans out from here, and um, I'm I'm conscious of time, and also looking at the level of my battery, which I put a new one in tonight. But um, yeah, it's getting low, um, and the time, <laughs> time is running out on my uh, my Wii recorder as well. Uh, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how this pans out. Um, I doubt I would very much doubt if if if, if heads will roll um, for it, not least because that's expensive because Mark Dodson's got a contract till 2023. Um, yeah. But certainly, you would hope that that the board who i think are sort of oversee the work and and even the agm that's coming up in august have a serious look at this and and say you know something needs to change yeah uh, i mean it's unlikely that that, that mark dodson's going to walk over this um you know no, no matter how much sort of distrust there is for him at the, at the grassroots level of the game in this country um i think because of the success he's had at the at the business end of the game yeah um but you know, in general, day to day, what I would like is for human beings to be nicer to each other, and uh, for people to be allowed to work in a positive environment, you know, with support from their employers. That's that's how I think it should be. I know it's not. People have crappy contracts and you know zero hours contracts and all that sort of stuff. It's a it's a problem that we have as a as a as a yeah. people. But, but I think um, that's that's the point Keith Russell made. And I think it's a key point, isn't it? That, that that's the way Gregor Townsend manages the national team. If you look at it, you yeah. know, you treat people with respect, you treat people well, you make them yeah. comfortable, and that then makes them feel more confident to contribute in a positive way. I mean, they've even got Love Island in Texas, in Houston, and they're playing Fortnite. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know that's so, good. I mean, that's good. That's good management, Joe. That's yeah. So heads up instead of, as well as heads up rugby, we need heads up heads up management and in fact heads up existence. Yeah, let's. I tell you what. Let's let's maybe uh, replace Mark Dodson with Gregor Townsend and bring back Vern Cotter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the plan. Anyway, right. Um, <laughs> we'll, um, we'll 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 stop there because we we we're, we're done for time, and I, this is probably going to run anyway. So I'm sure we'll talk about it um, another time. We're back next week with uh, a review of the USA game as well as any other news and bits and bobs. Don't forget to get in touch. Um, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you're into that sort of thing. Um, like I said, I'm thinking about over the summer maybe whether. We can start giving out badges if I can get round to it. Um, but for the meantime, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Rory and Ian. Goodbye. Cheerio.